Welcome to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch-A-Penny, Pool Patio, and Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. You know, these NBA playoffs have been spectacular. Like, I'm glued to the TV every single night, and I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm a Spurs fan, as many of you know. So, normally, when my guys aren't in it, I don't really pay that much attention to it, but... This year's playoffs has been nothing short of spectacular. And, you know, the stars always get the hype. They always get the attention. They always get the praise, whether it's KD or Kyrie Irving or Dame Lillard or Devin Booker, who has really started to come on. I mean, those are the guys who always get the talk. But you never hear enough about some of the role players, some of the guys who have stepped up when – Maybe one of those stars aren't having their best game or the way defenses are playing them, doubling that guy like Devin Booker, like the Lakers did, uh, taking the ball out of his hands, forcing other players to step up and make plays because that's what the game dictates at that time. So you look at NBA champions over the years, over the last few decades, the Bulls winning six championships, you know, of course, Jordan's the best player ever. Scottie Pippen, Hall of Famer. Dennis Rodman had a huge part in that as well. But nobody talks about guys like Ron Harper or Tony Kukoc or Steve Kerr. You know, these role players that played a huge part in bringing those championships back to Chicago. The Lakers, Shaq, Kobe. Of course, those are the two that's always linked together when you think about Lakers championships over the last 15, 20 years. But nobody wants to talk about Rick Fox, Brian Shaw, Derek Fisher, Glenn Rice, Robert Ory. Like these are, this is why NBA champions become champions time and time again. It's one thing to have stars who lead the way, but you need those role players to, hey, your job, what you do best is shoot threes in the corner. They're going to double team Shaq. You'll be in the corner wide open waiting for that opportunity, knock it down when it comes your way. The San Antonio Spurs are another team. Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, these these are three Hall of Famers, uh, or soon to be Hall of Famers, I should say, as Tim Duncan has already been inducted in. But what about the role players, the role players there? You're looking at 2014 championship alone. Patty Mills made a name for himself. Boris Diaw, Tiago Splitter. You know, Danny Green was a huge part of that as well. So when you look at championships and you look at playoff runs, you have to you have to dive deep into where does this success really lie? What sustains it? Like I said, everything begins and ends with the stars, of course. They are going to do their job. You know, when Kobe and Shaq play, okay, go ahead and book them down for 60. You know, but you can't let other guys get off. You can't let anybody else hurt you like you know Kobe and Shaq are gonna get to, that's my philosophy anyway my philosophy is the stars are gonna get theirs we can't let the role players go off and do what they do so when I think about the current NBA playoffs you know I wanted to come up with a list of guys who really caught my eye because they are really making a huge difference for their teams like I said we know what the stars are doing who are those role players that are playing above and beyond what anyone expected of them to lead off this list going back in that first round this guy's played he played amazing in the first round for sure and he had a really good game in game two in the western conference semis 
Cameron Payne for the Phoenix Suns. This is a dude who's averaging 11.2 points per game. He was a 14th overall pick by the Oklahoma City Thunder back in 2015. He also played in China during the 2019 and 2020 season. So he's already had several stops with playing in China, playing for the Thunder, playing for the Bulls. Here he is now with the Phoenix Suns. And the reason why I led the list off with Cameron Payne and included him on the list altogether is because Chris Paul had the injury in game one against the Lakers in the first round with his right shoulder. And you could tell that he was not himself over those next few games. But that's when Cameron Payne took over. Like he just, I mean, Chris Paul continued to play, but you could tell he just wasn't the normal Chris Paul that we're accustomed to seeing. So with Cameron Payne, stepping up and being aggressive like you would see him drop to the hole dish it off to Aiden shooting threes and just looking for his shot looking to make something happen this is your backup point guard when you can insert him into that starting five or along with that group of five when Chris Paul is out and you don't really you don't you didn't lose too many steps back I mean I'm not saying he's better than Chris Paul that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying whenever you put Payne in the game he was making something positive happen and he struggled a little bit in that closeout game against the Lakers but overall when you get this kind of productivity from your backup point guard a guy who's aggressive who can get his own shot who's looking for a shot who doesn't back down from the moment Cameron Payne is the reason why the Phoenix Suns are still in the playoffs today because if Chris Paul, like I said, he was not himself in that first round. If Cameron Payne doesn't play well, if he doesn't do what he needs to do to help the team in Paul's absence or Paul's inability to positively affect the game, Phoenix would be at home like the rest of us watching the NBA playoffs. That's how good he was because it's not like they play any other point guards. Javon Carter doesn't really get much time unless it's you know garbage time late in the games. Uh, it's not like they had another point guard, somebody else to run the offense, somebody who to initiate the offense. That was Cameron Payne, and he is the reason why Phoenix is still playing today. It's not, and now, like I said, no, we know what Devin Booker is going to do. Crowder has hit some shots. Mikael Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Aiden has had a solid playoff run. But it's all about that point guard position. When you lose a guy of Chris Paul's caliber and you can replace him with a guy like Cameron Payne who can hold down the fort until Chris Paul is back healthy, which Chris Paul seems to be back to himself. As we know, he just had that game with 15 assists and zero turnovers. Like you, you that's That's impressive. Beyond and that doesn't get enough talk. Like it's always, you know, oh, it's a triple double or man, this guy put up fifty points. And fifty points is impressive, but fifteen assists and zero turnovers as much as Chris Paul handles the ball every single possession to not have a single turnover, you know, that's what really stands out to me more. But Cameron Payne leads off the list as one of the guys who the kind of unsung heroes. There's there's always somebody who's plays above and beyond what they did in the regular season. Cameron Payne leaves off the list. Next on my list here for unsung heroes, guys who don't get enough praise, Joe Harris for the Nets. This is a guy who was a second-round pick, 33rd overall by the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2014. He was a three-point champion in 2019. 
currently in these playoffs, he's averaging 14.1 points per game and 51% from three. This dude is shooting 51% from three, and that's what he does best is shoot. So when you're shoot, when you're making half your shots from deep, along with what you see with KD and Kyrie and even Blake Griffin pitching in, Joe Harris is the one who doesn't get enough talk. Like this is a guy who can like I, I just feel like I'm not putting him on this dude's level. But, you know, when Curry shoots, you expect Curry to make it. When I see Joe Harris get a wide-open look, I'm thinking that he's going to make it. I, I'm surprised when he misses. That's how efficient he is, as I mentioned, with the 51% from three-point range. He's also third in the NBA in the playoffs, I should say. Not in the entire NBA, but in the playoffs currently, he's third and plus-minus. So when he's on the floor, he's making positive things happen. Joe Harris, his found himself in a great situation when you have three of the best isolation players to ever play the game and KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. You're going to have a lot of open looks because teams will help and rotate over to try to shut down, or not shut down, but just assist their teammates in defending those three guys. So that leaves open shots for Landry Shamit, for Joe Harris, for Blake Griffin. So this this kind of guy is who will consistently show up, and he may not get much talk. He may have 13 points a day, 19 the next game, 15 the next game after that, and all the praise is going to go to KD and, and not in the Stars. And I'm not taking anything away from the Stars. This is to, a chance to show love to some of the role players who are the reason, who the reason why teams go deep into the playoffs and have championship runs the stars we know to expect but it's those role players that no one talks about who are the ones to kind of watch for when you know i know i'm getting this from this dude he's going to play great defense he's going to be a good rebounder he's going to be a great passer he's going to knock down shots everybody has a role to play everybody can't be the star everybody shouldn't be the star you know you need some guys who understand their role and they do it to the best of their abilities because that's what their specialty is. Joe Harris has been a huge component of this year's Nets team and the success that they're having, the success that they will have as most people are, you know, booking them down for an NBA championship. I remember this guy coming out of Virginia. I remember he was there with Malcolm Brogdon. You know, this was a team, Justin Anderson, London Perantis was the point guard for that team. You know, that was a fun group of guys to watch just because, I mean, I like Virginia. I know many people probably don't like their style because they play a very slow-paced, defensive-oriented uh, type team first. But they move the ball. They take care of the ball. Their goal is to play defense, protect the ball, less turnovers, and then they have guys like Joe Harris who can shoot the lights out. So Joe Harris, is good to see him in a situation where – he has a chance to just be who he is. He's a great shooter. He can put it on the deck and go to the hole with it as well. Just having that aggressive mindset, somebody who's been a scorer his entire life. And, you know, when you look at KD and Kyrie and James Harden, they are going to get theirs. But you need guys around them to do what they do best. Joe Harris will get plenty of open looks. Blake Griffin has... He's not a three-point shooter, but he has shot the ball well in these postseason series so far. So when you have guys who are going to draw the most attention from defenses, 
surround them with shooters. That's where you really build contenders. We know what the stars are going to do, but it's all about the role players and what they do aside from them. The last guy on my list, and you kind of see a theme here as I'm talking about shooters and players who excel from beyond the arc, Jordan Clarkson. He was the 46th overall pick in 2014 by the Los Angeles Lakers coming out of Missouri. This dude right here, I remember watching him in college. Like he was he's a he's a bucket, as they say. He is a scorer. You give him the ball, he will make things happen. And he's currently averaging 18.6 points per game for the Utah Jazz. He was named sixth man of the year for the first time in his career, but also for the first time in Jazz history. They've never had another player win the six man award. And his teammate Joe Ingles finished second in that award. But Clarkson's another guy who I feel like when he takes a shot, he's going to make it. And he he's very good at taking unorthodox, unbalanced three-point attempts. So if you're down two or three and it's three seconds left, of course, you know, Donovan Mitchell is the star for their team. But I feel just as confident with Jordan Clarkson taking the shot just because he excels in hitting those ridiculous a very, like I said, unorthodox type shot, and he's a scorer. That's what he does best. You're not going to get much defense from him. That's not his forte, but he knows his role is to put the ball in the hoop, and he can do it whether it's driving or shooting threes. He excels in what he does, and that's that's what you really want to ask for anybody on a team. Do what you do best. We know you may not be the best ball handler. You may not be the best rebounder. But you can shoot or you can you're a great defender. Just know your role when you're on the court at all times. So Jordan Clarkson is a bucket. This dude, he was the first player since nineteen ninety one to put up forty points off the bench in fewer than thirty minutes. So he played less than thirty minutes and still scored forty points in a win against Philadelphia. He was the first player to do that since Sleepy Floyd did it back in 1991, as I mentioned. So with Jordan Clarkson, he's your prototypical spark plug off the bench. You know, every team needs that. I was about to say one guy, but these days, what makes a great team is the bench because starters have to get their rest. So when you can get production from the bench, especially scoring-wise, led by a guy like Jordan Clarkson, it only makes your team that much better. So, you know, people always look, put your best five out there, that's your starting lineup. Like, not necessarily. Like, if you have a deep roster and you can balance the two units, five in, five out, and not miss a beat, that's where teams really start to excel and have longevity in playoff success runs. So, Jordan Clarkson is that spark plug. He is that guy. He can get a he can go off a of 30. He can go off a of 40. You never know. It's just all about his shot. Is his shot going to fall? Because he's going to take them. He's going to take several shots. He doesn't shy away from any of those. So when he's on, you're in trouble. Because, like I said, he's not shying away from it. So when his buckets are falling left and right, it's going to be a long night for that opposing team. So that's my list of guys who have really excelled in their roles here in the postseason. Cameron Payne, Joe Harris, and Jordan Clarkson. You know, I had other guys on the list who are worthy of at least a mention. 
Seth Curry, the one who plays for the Philadelphia 76ers, not Steph, I love Steph, but Seth, the one who gets overlooked, who doesn't get the praise at all, being the younger brother, being the brother of the greatest shooter of all time, who is a awesome shooter in his own right. Seth Curry is an amazing shooter. He's shooting 45% from three-point in the current playoffs. I'm going to read his points that he's had in each game so far in the playoffs. 15 against Washington in game one. Then he had 9, 15, 10, and then 30 to close out the Wizards. And then he's had 21 points in both games against the Hawks. Seth Curry... This kid went to Liberty, decided to transfer to Duke. He wanted to compete with the best of the best. And, you know, I am i haven't been one that have liked many Duke players as a college basketball fan. But Seth Curry was my guy. Quinn Cook is another one that I like that came through Duke. Seth Curry, man, this dude, we know he can light it up. He shoots 90% from free throw line. He doesn't get the praise that he deserves because he plays in Philadelphia behind MVP finalist Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, who gets a lot of recognition because of his name and his talent. Tobias Harris, who is underrated in his own right, will normally comes third in that whole pecking order. So Seth Curry, when you get 21 points in each of the first two games in the conference semifinals against the Hawks, from who is probably your fourth scoring option. This is where championship teams are made. Uh, I'm not saying Philadelphia will win it. I know they have a tall task before them with the Hawks already, and if they get past them, they'll have to meet Brooklyn in the conference finals. But Seth Curry is the type of player that will hit shots and continually hit shots and just be consistent in his overall game. I wish people would recognize that Steph isn't the only Curry who can shoot. His dad could shoot too. Dale could shoot as well. I remember playing with him back in the day on NBA Live when I was a kid. But but Seth Curry, take notice of this guy in Philly. He's been he's moved around quite a bit. He's been in Dallas. He's been in Philly, as I've mentioned. He's been in Memphis. I mean, he's he's been quite a few places. Portland. But man, this is exactly what Philly needed to get back to competing at a high level. And Bede's going to draw a lot of attention in the post, but if you have shooters around Embiid, they can't double-team him. Curry, Danny Green, Furkan Korkmaz. Tyrese Maxey isn't a great shooter, but he can knock down a few shots as well. But Seth Curry is one to watch for if the Sixers continue to advance. Watch for him to consistently show up. It's going to be upon Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons to do their part because we know what we're getting from Embiid. And I believe, like I said, we know what we're getting from Curry. He is consistent as they come. Watch for him to continue to excel in this current series against the Hawks and maybe throughout the postseason if they continue to advance. Faku Campazzo, the point guard for the Nuggets, I enjoy watching him play. He's a hustle guy. He does everything, you know, that you would ask of your point guard, like especially somebody who's not a dynamic scorer. Now, he can hit a few shots, but he'll set you up with beautiful passes, an excellent dimer. He gives great hustle, great effort on defense. Faku Campazzo has been great. Monte Morris had a great first round. His second round against the Phoenix Suns uh, has not been 
as good as it was or, or as you expect him to be. He definitely has to step his game up if the Nuggets want to stave off an elimination because the way the first two games have gone so far in that series, you know, uh, the Nuggets are on their way out, it appears. So those two point guards, Compazzo and Monte Morris, both of the Denver Nuggets filling in shoes for Jamal Murray, who got hurt with the ACL injury a couple months ago. The Nuggets wouldn't be where they are without those two. They've done an excellent job um, just doing what they can. As we know, Jamal Murray is an all-star. You're not going to replace him with guys like that. But to even beat the Portland Trailblazers in that first round, not having Murray, uh, I think it says a lot about what Rivers, what Compazzo, what Monte Morris have done. As I mentioned, they haven't had the best series so far against the Suns, but they at least deserve some notoriety based on what they did in that first round against Portland. Now, when we return, I'm going to talk about the most important quarter, not only in the NBA, but in all sports. I'll give you a few details and stats on what's the most important quarter and why. Stay tuned for more of this episode of The Sweet Spot. Attorney Kaz Espy is a proud supporter of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Kaz has experience in both federal and state courts regarding a wide range of civil matters. Specializing in bankruptcy, debt resolution, probate, and estate planning, Kaz listens to the concerns of his clients, understanding their individual needs. Attorney Kaz Espy, phone 334-793-6288 or online at espymetcalf.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Finch Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Finch Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan, or phone 334-671-POOL. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. RLC Shirts is a family-owned and operated custom apparel and gift business. Providing custom printing and embroidery, RLC Shirts can help with no minimum order. Phone 334-899-4339 or online rlcshirts.com. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch-A-Penny Pool Patio and Spa. 
As we continue this conversation about the NBA playoffs, you heard me in my first segment talk about some of the unsung heroes, some of the guys who don't get the recognition and praise that they deserve but have been just as vital as some of the stars on their teams. I mentioned Jordan Clarkson for the Utah Jazz, Joe Harris for the Brooklyn Nets, and of course Cameron Payne for the Phoenix Suns as well, who currently have a 2-0 lead over the Denver Nuggets. Now, going into this segment, you know, kind of highlighting the most important quarter in all sports, really, but specifically in the NBA, we're looking at that third quarter. I'm sure most of you knew which way I was leaning. Uh, Some of you may have thought that first, just got to a great start, or maybe the fourth, because that's where you can, I mean, obviously games are, you think, decided in that fourth quarter, right? But It's really the third quarter where the difference lies. The team who wins that third quarter more times than not actually wins the game. So just to give you a few stats, the teams that have won the third quarter have gone on to win the game 76% of the time. So there's been a total of 50 games played so far in the playoffs. So 38 out of 50. 76% of the time, the team who wins the third quarter wins the game. So there was eight losses, four times the two teams in the game tied, so neither one won that third quarter. But 38 out of 50 total games, 38 times, 76%. So when you look at the box score at the end of games, you know, most times people look at three-pointers made, free throws, rebounds, assists. Who won the third quarter? That's something you need to spend more attention to when you look at the outcome of games. Winning that third quarter is so vital. If you win that third quarter, chances are in your favor to win that game because you come out of halftime, regardless of how the first half went, it, it doesn't even matter. Like Now, you can't put yourself in such a big hole that you can't dig yourself out of it. I mean, uh, I heard someone say that you can't win the game in the first half, but you can definitely lose it. So when you go to halftime, you make the proper adjustments. This is what we need to do. This is how we counter what the other team is doing. That third quarter, hit them in the mouth from the start. The first five, six minutes, let them know that, hey, this game is far from over, and we are here to fight to the finish. Now, One game in particular, game one of the Utah Jazz Los Angeles Clippers series, the Jazz got up to a horrendous start. They missed 20 straight shots in the first quarter. 20 straight shots missed. Like, this was an opportunity for the Clippers to put it away, you would think. But like I said, you can't win the game in the first half, but you can definitely lose it. And the Jazz were on their way to lose in game one, which would have been just, uh, I think, a devastating loss for them because it's game one, they're at home, they're the one seed. Yes, the Clippers has a lot of, they have a lot of pressure on them as well, but the Jazz do also because this is their first time being the number one seed. They have home court advantage. So if you go in game one and lose it, you know, it can put a lot of pressure on you, especially not having a guy like Mike Conley, your star point guard, being able to play due to his hamstring. So in that game one against the Clippers, as I mentioned, missed 20 straight shots in the first quarter. Nothing would fall for them. And, you know, that's very rare, very unlikely for that to happen for any team in the NBA. I don't care if you're the Sacramento Kings or, you know, the Detroit Pistons, one of the worst teams in the NBA. It doesn't matter. 
very unlikely to miss 20 straight shots. And we know basketball is a game of runs. So if you can go on a run going into halftime, coming out of halftime, it puts you right back where you need to be regardless of what the game has looked like outside of those two stints. So coming out of halftime, Donovan Mitchell took it upon himself. He said, hey, if we're going to lose, we're going to lose swinging, and I'm going down with the team on my back, and I'm going to do everything I can to help will us to victory. This dude finished with 45 points for the entire game. 32 of those 45 came in the second half. 32 in the second half. And he came out in that third quarter letting the Clippers know, I'm taking over. You may We may not win this game, but if we do win it, it's going to be because of me. So this dude came out blazing. We know how the how electric he is as a scorer, how dynamic he is as an athlete. He gets to the free throw line, and he makes his free throws as well. Like That's something people don't realize is that great scorers get to the free throw line, and they'll add another 12 to 15 points from the line. So someone will finish with 41 points, but... 17 came from the free throw line, and that's what the great ones do. Dame Lillard, Iverson was great at that. Like, get to the free throw line. That's what it's all about. That's where you get your points from. You can only make so many shots, but if you get to the line consistently and you're a good free throw shooter, those are points to be had for you individually and for your team. Luka Doncic is someone who struggles tremendously. Like we know the, the numbers he puts up left and right and all season and, you know, 35 here, 41 there. 39 the next night but how poor of a free throw shooter is the issue for him and he has to rectify that to become even better because when it's clutch situations you if you get fouled are you going to shy away from driving to the basket and and take a step back jumpers every time which he is awesome at but that can't be why you choose to settle for a step back jumper when you know the person that's guarding you can't contain you. So just going back to that jazz, that third quarter, this is why the third quarter is the most important quarter in all sports. If you're up, you can put a team away in that first five, six minutes and take a 12-point lead at the half and build it to 22-23, and all of a sudden it's just like that team will cave and quit more than likely. Or you can take that same 12-point lead in the five, first five, six minutes of the third quarter it's down to three, and it's all, oh, man, here it is. It's a game now. It's a game again. What you've done now is give that team hope going into the fourth quarter. This is why we see those upsets that take place in college football. Go back and look at this third quarter. See what happened in the third quarter because, it's like I said, you can't win a game in the first half. You can lose it if you dig yourself in too big of a hole. That sometimes is too much to overcome but even those near upsets those near upsets where you take this team from the mac has a chance to be the ranked team that no one gave them a chance to the betters uh, the people in vegas didn't even give them any glimmer of hope that they would beat this team go back and look at those near upsets you see they had the lead all first half but then it's that third quarter where you see the momentum start to shift they say the the talent and the depth starts to really show in that third quarter that's in basketball that's in football you see the adjustments that are made at our halftime this is the quarter that you want to win if you want to win the game win the third quarter because regardless of how that first half looked you know you have a shot 
to win the game. If you take over that third period, that third quarter, gives you hope, gives you momentum, gives you that edge, gives the other team something to worry about beyond the game because they they feel the tightness at home if in front of the crowd if they're playing in their home stadium home arena they feel the excitement from the away team when it's on the road and you can see the crowd getting back into it after no life at all in the first two periods so this is the quarter watch for that in the nba playoffs moving forward who wins the third quarter see the momentum shift, see the fans become re-engaged or disengaged, depending on, like I said, on the venue and where that team is playing. But the third quarter, that's the one you want to watch for. As I've mentioned, 38 times the team who won the third quarter, 38 out of 50 times, they went on to win the game, 76%. So every three out of four times the team won that third quarter, they went on to win the game. So if your team isn't a good third quarter team I would be concerned moving forward because there's no way you can continue to lose third quarters and win your playoff series as we close today like I've talked about before the NBA playoffs have been amazing and I guess it's more exciting from my standpoint because I knew my Spurs was a long shot to get into the playoffs so there was no expectations of doing anything deep in the playoffs. I mean, it's one thing to even make it, which the whole playoff tournament was a joke. So we didn't make it. Now I can just watch the games with no bias, no – I mean, of course you pull for teams, and you can't watch one game and say you're not pulling for anybody. Eventually you're going to root for someone. So to watch these playoffs without having a team in the fight has been different, but uh, I've still enjoyed it nonetheless. So – Brooklyn, Milwaukee, that's looking like it's going to be a sweep from what it appears. I mean, Milwaukee may still won, maybe. Uh, Clippers-Jazz is going to be an excellent series, I believe. That's two teams fighting to make history. Philadelphia-Atlanta is going to be another series that's going to be awesome. So you kind of look at one of each side. Los Angeles-Clippers, Utah-Jazz, Philly-Atlanta, those are going to be awesome series. Phoenix and Denver looks like Phoenix has been a – cakewalk through that to the conference finals and then brooklyn milwaukee is that cakewalk in the east but we're getting down to it we're getting down to seeing which teams will be representing each conference when it comes to the nba championship and each team i saw this stat the other day that each team they're all playing for history none of these teams have either won a championship altogether or it's been decades since they've done so so the nba playoffs this year is going to be different there's no lebron there's no steph curry you know you had that run where they played each other in four straight finals like no one wants to see that aside from lebron and curry fans like that's a joke nobody wants to watch the same two teams go at it every single year people want to see variety they want to see people hate change but they want to see change in who's competing year in year out for the best title in the NBA. So this is a chance now that we get to see new teams make a name for themselves, new history to be made for some of these franchises who have never experienced that. So before we go, I'm just gonna share the last time each current playoff team won the title and those who never have won an NBA championship. 
Philadelphia 76ers, 1983. The Milwaukee Bucks, back in 1971, when Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, was a member of that Bucks franchise. The Atlanta Hawks, 1958, while they were in St. Louis. So, so the Hawks franchise has one, but the city of Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks does not. The Clippers have never won one. The Jazz have never won. The Nets have never won. The Nuggets or the Suns. So we know for sure coming out of the West, the Clippers, Jazz, Nuggets, and Suns, somebody will have a chance to win their first NBA title in franchise history. And then those teams from the East, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Hawks, and the Nets will each have an opportunity to celebrate something that's been waiting for a very very long time and as we always say there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot